0: In this episode, I speak with Therese Tarlington, brand new author of SWAP, Marketing Without Money, where she takes small businesses through a step by step process on how to reach out to the right brands, collaborate with them, and build long lasting partnerships. Therese has over 20 years' experience in corporate marketing, branding, manufacturing, and distribution. Having worked with top brands such as Jeep, United Colors of Benetton and Sesame Street, Therese learned from her experience that the most effective marketing strategies involved securing the right partnerships and collaborations. Leveraging other businesses can provide rapid growth for your own brand. Therese built a startup that made $1 million in its first year and expanded to five countries using this strategy. After selling her company, she now works with big brands to create collaborative campaigns with other businesses. Now, small businesses think that unless they have a huge social following, they aren't exactly partnership potential. But as you will hear, that's just not true. Welcome to the Rare Conversations podcast. I'm Leonie Milano, and I chat with creative entrepreneurs and business owners around the world about what it takes to start, sustain, scale, and sell a business. We talk about real life scenarios to help you understand the path before you, to inspire your journey. I transition from working in film, TV, and global events to working with creative entrepreneurs through mindset coaching and mentoring. I'm on a mission to help entrepreneurs embrace the journey, understand themselves better, accelerate their growth and get the most out of life, making sure they have a hell of a lot of fun along the way. Hi, Therese. It is so lovely to have you here today. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I'm so thrilled to have you. You have such vast experience when it comes to marketing and partnerships This is the lifeblood of a business. I wonder if you can share how you started right in the beginning.
1: Of course, I would love to. So marketing is my craft, but it's also my love. I absolutely love it. And I started my career with big, big global brands. And so I had experience in in branding and marketing and bringing products to market, which is what I love to do. And then I saw an opportunity, which was I went to America and I saw a Jeep baby stroller. So Jeep is in the vehicle. There's actually a range of baby products. And I kind of looked at it and thought, do you know what? I think, I think that might, might work in Australia. So I was in America and I thought this might work in Australia. And so when I came back to Australia, I saw that there were no branded baby products. So there was strollers that had, you know, Mickey Mouse on them. So it appealed to a baby, but there was no great brands that actually spoke of the parents and the lifestyle and the and the branding element. And so I approached uh, Jeep. I approached a company in America who produced Jeep strollers, and I said, I would love to bring these to Australia. So I was young. I just got married. I hadn't had kids or anything, but I could just see that there was an opportunity. So I convinced them to give me some samples, bought them back to Australia. I went to a baby expo, uh, like a trade fair oh, that had lots and lots smart. of parents and with my little samples. And I actually got all these orders. Um, and I didn't make the pay just so it was all legit, but I was like, Oh my gosh, there is a demand for this product. And so. Very quickly, I brought the product to Australia and got it all through all the safety standards, and which is a whole other conversation. Um, right. But then, but then launched it. And when I say I launched it, what I did is I went to Jeep in Australia, the car manufacturer. And I said, hey, I'm Therese, I've bought these products to Australia. I just wanted to introduce myself and and see what we could do together. And the PR manager at Jeep was was pregnant and she was about to go on maternity leave. Very timely. Exactly. And she said, I love these. They are fantastic. And she said, how about we do a deal? I'll do all your PR for you and you give me the baby product. And I said, "Um, what a deal. What a deal. Of course. Now she was brilliant. And she got me in not just baby magazine. She got me into the financial review. She got me into every newspaper. I was in men's magazines. It actually transcended, you know, really well into all different types of media because it was a brand that had never been in a baby. As I said, baby was very cutesy and Mm. Pastel colors, these were, you know, big pump-up tires and it had a, the stroller actually had a tiny steering wheel on the front so the baby could steer, beat the horn. So it was an interactive product as well. And there had never been anything like that. Absolutely. So that was my first partnership, unbeknownst to me, in terms of doing a deal with the pr manager where mm. she said i will i will provide a service i will provide pr to you and in return i provided her with product so partnerships so many partnerships are when there is no financial transaction occurring there's no money changing hands it's a it's a deal where you both exchange value that you mm-hmm. can both contribute to So so that was my first deal. And that media, I got a meeting with Target. And so that media got me a foot in the door to actually get a meeting at Target. And then when I was there, the managing director walked past. He said to the buyer, I've seen those in the financial review, and I want those on the floor. I want to be the first retailer with those products. Oh, that's incredible. I know, right? So this This kind of this started snowballing. So first I got, you know, Target and then I got lots more retailers. And because I had been that those smaller retails and Target, then I got a phone call from Huggy, so the nappy. And they said, this product is amazing. We've just had an idea. We would love to do a competition and give away a Jeep car and some Jeep strollers. So a Jeep for mother and baby. Incredible would you be prepared to participate in this promotion? And I said, uh. <laughs> 100%, uh, yes. And so for the, the value exchange, which was I gave them, I think it was six strollers that was, you know, really not very, didn't cost me very much money. And they put my product on every nappy box across Australia for a three-month period. I was on the point of sale, like the flyer that you ripped off in Coles supermarket, like on the shelf. There was websites. There was radio. So they promoted my product for three months in exchange for a few hundred dollars worth of product.
0: That cost. That's incredible.
1: And so that then got me, you know, the next deal and the next deal. But what that did is that got me my little business out of my second bedroom To become, we did a million dollars in our first year. And that was just myself and a mum that lived up the road that had school-aged children and worked for me part-time. And we were able to, to kind of get there. And so that's where I discovered, I guess, this, this power of partnerships where Mm -hmm. you actually combine with another brand. So I always talk about partnerships actually can, you know, can give credibility. So the Mm. fact that Target was willing to stop me, credibility for a small brand, if I just walked in there as a young woman with an unbranded product and told my story, would it have been as compelling? And then also the, you know, the credibility. I think it depends really
0: what, doesn't it? Absolutely. Depending on the quality and what the story is behind it.
1: For sure. And within those big retail environments, there's obviously really stringent safety in, like there's a whole procedure that you have to go through to have your product available for purchase in those stores. But I guess the, the you know, the brand, the Jeep brand, first of all, there was credibility in the Jeep brand and then there was credibility in, in the manufacturing process and then, you know, and then Target and then Huggies actually talking about me. So, so it gave the mum, the mum who was looking at, I want to buy a stroller, it gave her I guess a little bit of comfort that if all these other brands that I was sitting with mm. then it must be a good product. And, I'll and I love to explore it further.
0: Yeah, and I love the looking at it now, it's so obvious. It's really looking at the end consumer rather than the baby. I mean it makes sense, right? And, and I know like all the different prams that have popped up since. Yes, is every possible. they're super high tech ones now. For sure.
1: And back then there wasn't international brands. E-commerce had not been developed yet. And so you couldn't get products from overseas very easily. And so in that environment to actually have a, you know, an international brand that was available in a different country that was unique, that spoke to the parents in terms of dad could very confidently push this stroller and, you know, feel very comfortable with that brand attached to him. And mum could very confidently push that stroller and know that it was, it was, it was branded. It was, it wasn't a no name. It didn't have a duck on it or a mouse, or it was light pink.
0: You came in right at the right time, didn't you? At the beginning of e-commerce. (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: Absolutely. It was the
1: perfect timing. And obviously since then, um, you know, there's been lots, all the international brands have come into Australia and now there is a huge assortment of product that is available. But, But again, at that time, right at that moment, mm. there wasn't.
0: And the way you went about it was incredibly smart. And I think this is where small businesses get stuck. They get an idea. They're very, very passionate about something quite often it could be a hobby as well. But if they haven't tested the market, if they don't even know if there's a need, and I think a lot of people think they can just skip over that part and skip over the, oh no, I don't need to speak to anybody. I The amount of people that I talk to that do not have their target market and niche defined is a lot. And this is why I think they
1: struggle. For sure, and I think from a marketing point of view, you, you can never assume that if you build a better widget, mousetrap, you know, 100%. whatever, um, that it will just sell. Just because there is, you know, another mousetrap, another candle, another towel doesn't mean that yours is. So what what is your story and how is your brand positioned? And how is it positioned in terms of distribution? So who are your partners in getting your product into the hands of consumers? What is your position in terms of pricing? So are you more of a volume play? Are you more of an aspirational buy? Are you you at a really, really high price point where you only need a small amount of customers? And then does your marketing match that position? So how are you going to talk about it and get it into the market? What does it say about you? And they're the things I think you, from a research point of view, you can never assume that your customer would be willing to pay 10% more because what does that 10% represent to them? Is it easier? Does it solve a, a, so we all in marketing, we talk about a pain point. And that all that means is that what is your customer experiencing that your product would, would help them in a situation and so that could be really simply uh, so it could be that you're a personal trainer and you have you know put on some weight and so you as a trainer not only are you going to offer them training at the park but you're also going to have you know a wearable device and they're going to check and, and they're also going to give you some recipes so what are you offering as a full service that is differentiating you from your competitors but also allowing you to have a position in the market and a
0: price point that allows you to tell your story. How are you differentiating yourself? That's when you have to get into coming down to the psychology, getting into the mind of your customer for that customer journey, because otherwise you really just don't know what you're doing. You're kind of throwing things at the wall and hoping that
1: something will happen. I think Simon Sinek talks about people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. There's a there's a really strong feeling amongst consumers is, is they want to buy into your philosophy, your values, your stories. They want to buy into your result. They want to buy into your aesthetic. So- It's no longer just a product on a shelf anymore. People have their phone in their hand standing in front of that shelf. They can very easily do a comparison, whether that is a price comparison or it's uh, looking at Google reviews, looking at ratings, testimonials. And so they have this power in their hands that they can your product on the shelf people have their phone in their hand while they're standing in front of your product on the shelf and in their hand they have the opportunity to look at your brand as a comparison on on value so what other products are costing they can look at testimonials they can look at reviews they can look at reviews on the on the after sales service you know or the warranty that you have and so they're buying into not just what the product offers the functionality of the product. they're also buying into whether that that fits with their values if it's a sustainability story, if they're if they're connecting with the people who own the company and, mm. and connecting because you're also a local mum or you're also a survivor of a particular thing or they're buying into not just the product. and I think that's because as consumers now we we love storytelling. And we story, we we tell stories to the old fashioned way, to our friends. We say, hey, you've got to try this restaurant or you've got to try this, you know, this dish or something. But we also storytell every single day in social media. We mm-hmm. say. This is my curated life. This is what I'm eating. This is what I'm doing. This is what the train is doing. So we're always looking for ways that we can add value to our own story and show up in how we want other people to see us. So, Mm. so products are are so much more than a physical product now. It's, it's about a a statement about where you are in life, what you want to do, how, you know, what you represent, what your values are, you know, what you believe, what charities you support, you know, what initiatives you believe in. Mm. So, so that's why I guess when you're, when you're doing the research about you creating a new product or a new service, it, you absolutely don't have to, you could, you know, have another candle. There's, there's nothing to say that you can't do the same product as somebody else. Of course there's not, but it's really about how you're going to differentiate. So if you are another candle, what
0: value do you bring? What story Why would someone buy keep- that yeah. your candle over the other one? What's going exactly. to emotionally pull them towards you? 100% because and we know, buy emotionally uh,
1: for sure we always do and we want to know that we bought into something good and we want to be able to tell that story i know i i love i love art and so when i buy art i'm I, of course I'm looking at it thinking, do I like it? Does it fit in my lounge room? Is it the right size? Is it the right price? There's a functionality that I'm looking for. But I want to know the story of the artist. I want to know where the, the, where the artwork was done. How long did it take to do? You know, what was he thinking about when he did it? Like I want to know more than that because when somebody walks into my house and says, Oh my gosh, love that painting. I, as a consumer, want to be able to say it was done by Michael Bond, you know, like, and and tell the story, tell his story, because Mm. it feels in some way that, yeah, and and kind of the credibility and the trust has been passed from the artist to me, and now I'm passing it to the
0: next person. Mm. And, you know, also, when coming back to the partnership. This is why even if you're a small brand, connecting with micro-influencers can really help. You don't need to. I think some brands get so overwhelmed and intimidated and think I can't possibly compete and they're just swimming around, but small brands can be mighty and quite often the micro-influencers have a really good following. That's very engaged. That's another really important thing is to check the engagement when they are joining forces to create something.
1: Absolutely. So, so I'll say in terms of there's there's influencer marketing. And so that's when you're
0: actually using a person.
1: And so a person of, has immense value. And they would have a very, very strong voice in one yes. particular thing. And it could be mm. a podcast or it could be on Instagram. Brand partnerships are a brand to brand, where you can both come together mm. and actually create something for your mutual customer. And what you find when you do partnership marketing, as opposed to influencer marketing, is an influencer. Think of an influencer, um, and I mean you know this in the, in the purest sense. They are like a full page ad in your favorite magazine. Right. Mm -hmm. So amazing. They tell a story. They get your message out to a really targeted audience. Fantastic. Brilliant. But partnership marketing is about using every tool in your toolbox. So if you did a partnership with a business, not only are they sharing it on social,
0: Mm -hmm. They're sharing
1: it on all their other assets. So it could be that they've got, they're telling it in a social environment. They're putting a flyer in their boxes from their e-commerce store. They're actually getting testimonials. They're using their um, EDM, so their electronic direct mails to actually have conversations. So they're they're using more than one platform to Mm. actually have that conversation. So that's the, the beauty of doing partnerships with other brands. Mm. As opposed to an influencer. So absolutely use influencers hundred, hundred, and hundred percent because and that and influencers are amazing at being able to get out your message and especially when it's a product that changes quite quickly. So if you so they are amazing for fashion. Here's a style. I'm bringing it out. I need to literally get this sold as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. Or it's a, you know, it's a seasonal product. So it's only available kind of Mother's Day or it's only available for summer or it's, you know, so, so influencers are very good at really pushing a message and, and making a big tsunami of power towards a product in a short period of time. Partnership marketing, you could work with a company. Four years. You could be creating content with them. You could be doing a promotion with them. You could be doing an event with them. So it, it's a, over a longer period of time. And as I talked about before, it's kind of the credibility factor as well. And I'm not saying that it has to be a big bank or a big telco or a big brand that every person in the world has ever heard of. It could be an incredibly small brand, but incredibly influential. So it could be a restaurant, it could be a business that is in just one location, and is really well known for its amazing spaghetti. Or it could be an interior designer that is really focused on Scandi, like one particular area. So, so it's not just about the the, the credibility of a billion dollar company and a global brand that everybody knows it's about who is your customer and who do they look up to who did mm. they see leadership from and have a value or even a really strong pull again from a storytelling point of view to say you know I'm I'm going to this restaurant and it is it has been reviewed by the Sydney Morning Herald and it is hatted or five stars or something so so again it's around like who is your customer base and Mm. knowing your customer really well not just saying it's women it's women who have kids well you know like women who have kids if I'm like a mum of stay at home one year old twins yeah one year old twins and I stay at home Mm. versus if I've got if I'm a mum and I work and I'm in a C-suite job and I've got mm. two teenagers that I'm teaching to drive, that's a very different mum, right? So The whole so, communication
0: is completely different, isn't it? But their content, that to resonate, that's why they need to take those steps to learn and understand because you've got to speak their language to connect. It's yes. so fascinating, and, all of the and, psychology behind it.
1: And so great marketing. Is when the customer feels like you're talking directly to them when they go, yeah,
0: yes,
1: 100%. I have that problem. Yes, I feel that way too. They just feel like it was written for them. Mm. And that's a really, that's a beautiful gift that a brand can give is to be so sincere and so genuine about what they do and give that to the customer and say, we w- we actually want to help you. We think that this product will do amazing things for your family or your health or your mental mm. being, like whatever, they, whatever it is, mm. but actually have this experience where they know their customer so well that they want to give the customer the ultimate experience.
0: Hey everyone, I'm excited to jump in here and let you know about my upcoming program for 2022. People say knowledge is power, but that's not entirely true. If you do nothing with that knowledge, it's worthless. If you implement it, you become unstoppable. Creating your own business takes work, commitment, dedication to getting tasks done, working through the frustrations when you realize it's more than you thought and you feel like you're always on the verge of quitting. The easy thing to do is give up but that just perpetuates a cycle because when there is something you can't stop thinking about, something that you really wanna create, you'll never be able to shake it. What we're not taught in school is how our brain actually works. It is so hardwired with our individual beliefs based on our own life experiences that it takes the utmost awareness to know what you need to do differently to achieve your goals. This is the single biggest thing that can be the deciding factor on how well you live your life. When you're starting a new business, there are stages you need to go through. Analysis, planning, testing, strategizing, taking action in tandem with accountability and support, etc. This is what I help my clients with. In my 10-week program, I'll take you from being stuck and not knowing how to grow to getting clarity and confidence that will get you to the next level. We'll make sure your niche, target market offer and strategy is solid by implementing systems and a step-by-step action plan to strengthen your foundation that will allow you to grow faster than you could have imagined you'll gain clarity and confidence with every step not ever having to return to where you were ever again I work with a limited number of clients at any time and to really help you it needs to be a mutually beneficial fit this is for someone serious about their growth, for someone who's tired of just getting by to having a healthy business that actually makes money. If this sounds like something you're interested in, send me an email to hello at leonimilano.com That's L-E-O-N-I-M-I-L-A-N-O.com with the word apply and we can jump on a call to see if this works. If you can tell me one thing that you got out of this episode, I'll add an exclusive bonus. Now let's get back to the episode. For these smaller brands, I mean, especially even ones that are starting, even when they have a real quality product that they know. I think there might be a little bit of intimidation to approach bigger brands. I think they might also think well I couldn't possibly go to a big brand that's very established and just thinking about the criteria and and everything they need to have like say say if it was a t-shirt brand, but it's a really great t-shirt brand that does amazing designs. And, you know, if they're really, really small, they could feel intimidated to approach places like Target yes. or yeah. other shops. I, how would yes, they, I ha- how do they go about that?
1: I have a great example for you. So I have a gorgeous friend who creates beautiful bespoke furniture and but she is one person in Adelaide, uh, you know, and has no staff. She's one person. And she has done a phenomenal job. Now, she has had an idea. We were tossing around all these ideas and we were able to actually get her product onto the block, which is a TV show. Renovation it, it's a TV show. Renovation TV show. And so we were like, what else can we do after that? How can we capitalize on this great press that we got? And so we we were talking about, what about if we came up with a range and it was the icons range? And so she approached a huge name in fashion, like a name that everybody would absolutely know globally. Mm -hmm. And as a one-person company in Adelaide, very small, and she sold, I don't want to say sold, she told her story that she was a family-owned brand that had been around for three generations They created beautiful bespoke furniture that was made in Australia with passion, that was handcrafted, and she wanted to actually do something with this interior, sorry, this fashion designer and say that it was an iconic range partnering with another iconic brand, the designer, Mm. and would the designer be open to actually coming up with some fabric design and working with her to actually release this range now that's one conversation Mm. in that one conversation she was able to get one of the biggest names in fashion to say yes because she told this amazing story and not only did this designer actually say yes she said do you need do you want to get it into America Do you looking for a partner over here um do you want me to connect you with this other person and so this is about I want to say it's about being brave. Mm-hmm. And what this is, is small businesses have immense worth and immense value. Mm-hmm. And you're probably sitting on all these things that you haven't realized or you. And so even if you are a, a startup, your background has currency. What did you do before this? What are your skill sets? What could you offer? So even if you were going into a different industry, so maybe you're an accountant and now you've created a, a new pet collar, what you can do is actually how use some of your background to actually leverage your future. So you can talk about all the skills that you had in your, you know, your corporate job around finance, you know. You know how to do things that can actually enhance. Now, in that situation, you could approach another brand and actually show that they, you could create something for them. Mm. So it's really about like, what have you got? And, everyone and has a story. Everyone has a story and everyone has strength. Mm-hmm. So it is not just about your social following. So many brands say to me, oh, I'm, I could never do anything because I've only got 200 Instagram followers. But what if and they're I'm 200 in-
0: highly engaged? <laughs>
1: exactly. I, I I know a certain gentleman and he is in cybersecurity and he only deals with the CEOs of the top 100 listed companies because that's how tight his market is. So And he only needs a couple of them each year to actually engage his services and he's done. So Mm. he doesn't need that. So it really depends on your product. If you are a, you know, a mass product, like, you know, a a candle, or if you're a personal trainer that just services your suburb and two suburbs away, you know, a really tight location, then really hone in on who is your customer? What do they need? Where else do they go? What other brands Mm. do they trust? And the biggest tip I can give you for doing partnerships, the biggest, would be to look at your frequently asked questions. What is your customers asking you for that Mm. you can't provide Mm. so so in that example of my friend who has the furniture business of course she is always being asked about how to clean it so we're going to do a collaboration with a a cleaner like somebody who actually creates fabric and another one that does the the, um the The renovation of you know of wood and leather Mm. and we're going to get some tips and do a collaboration of content about how to care for really high-end furniture
0: Right. So then you're sharing across the audiences and it's not costing Absolutely. the smaller brand. Absolutely.
1: For the so this is about who, what, is, what are they, what are your customers asking you for that you can't provide? But is it is a, you know, it's a complimentary service. So plenty of accountants get asked about, oh, I need to do my will. Can you recommend a lawyer or a you know, a real estate agent getting asked about, oh, I need a conveyancer to do, you know, to look over this contract. Mm. So every day of the week I would say that, you know, tradies like a plumber, you know, get to ask and you recommend builder. So there's all of these synergies where you've got the same customer, mm. but it you don't compete. And that is the best way to create partnerships, because it is a really natural, organic way of actually approaching another brand and having a conversation and saying, every day I get asked about nutrition and I'm a personal trainer and I don't do nutrition. So what about if we actually teamed up and mm. I offered the, the training a huge and you offered- right there. For sure. And you've got both, both of you are incredibly skilled in one area. And you are very strong and you, so the the personal trainer might have an amazing social following, but the nutritionist might have a database of clients that she's been servicing or he's been servicing for the last 10 years. She, that person might've written a cookbook and actually Mm -hmm. has the credibility of being published. Like what have you, what have you got that is your strength? What are your customers asking for? And what what other businesses could you actually have a great conversation and collectively mm. pull together and create an experience for your customer that would blow
0: them away? Absolutely. And it's allowing yourself the time to take that time to sit back out of your business. Because I know there's so much scrambling in the beginning and everyone's working in their business and trying to get things sorted. But if you can take a step back and really look at your offering and brainstorm with yourself or other people to, and, and like you said, the FAQs, I think FAQs are like gold. being able to answer those is huge. We all have frustrations with things that we want to buy or, you know, even if it's finding decent quality gifts that are unusual and different to what you find out there, it's a really huge opportunity. Now you have been working on a book I believe, that you are about to release or you maybe may have just released it. Can you talk a little bit about this? Because I think this is something that would be a great little, very, very handy guide for people to have to help them elevate the, their business to the next level. Absolutely. So I
1: have been doing partnerships for a couple of decades. I absolutely, partnerships are my, my passion. I love it. And I've been mentoring small business women for about 15 years and so Mm I and during COVID I was trying to help as many as I could and there just wasn't enough hours in the day and so I thought about like what could I do could I what if I could create a step-by-step guide for small brands that actually walk them through a process of how to really rediscover all the assets that they've got in their business how to come up with what they're trying to do so are they trying to Get credibility? Are they trying to launch in a new market? What are they, what, what is their objective? Find the right brand partner mm. and be able to actually have a discussion for the possibilities. Come up with a deal where you are both contributing, where you're both gaining massive value, but actually exceeding the customer's expectations, like providing mm. something for the customer that they just would love. And then after that, actually, so being able to implement. So, as I said, I love partnership deals, but so many people just kind of fall down at that point where they're like, "I did a deal and I shared an Instagram post, and that's it." And I'm like, "Oh, they got to carry that's that through, right? Yeah, got to keep going, got to keep going." So, this is about how do you over deliver. How do you over-deliver on this deal? And when you over-deliver, that is a generous spirit, but it's also very smart marketing. The more that you create, the more people will share. So it is about implementing and over-delivering, and then it's about positioning yourself and extending that reach into media, into stalkers, and into your industry. Mm -hmm. All of these people need content, need stories, you know, need that that extra little bit. And the last bit is about how to evolve, like how to actually take that deal and show them not just a metric not just this many clicks but actually what it did and we've done deals where it's actually the comments that have come through on you know on social or during their, through through their websites where brands have been able to create whole new products because they've mm. gotten all these questions about new ideas that they hadn't even thought of Right. So how do you, how do you evolve? How do you take the research, take the data, take everything that's been given to you with that partnership, put it together as a bit of a case study and actually mm. take it back to your partner and say, look what we were able to achieve. And like, what was great for you? Take all this knowledge. And then actually, I just say like, turn your taxi light on, like find your next partnership.
0: Absolutely. Uh, and keep going right it doesn't stop going oh I've done a partnership all right that's it no go 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 absolutely and a partnership as I
1: said can be like super casual like it could just be hey I've written this article I get asked all the time about how to clean this furniture you know I've written this article and I was because I get asked all the time and I was wondering if you if you'd share it on your website as well or if you'd actually put it in an EDM, it's, it's about your products and about how I use them and about how I recommend them. And, and this is what it is. So it can be a really nice, simple first step. And I guess I say in the book, find an easy yes, like to start, just yeah. find, find a way to just start this relationship and see where it takes you. And so create this amazing thing. So it could be just a piece of content. So you could have a partnership where it's just super simple, might be a share on social, it might be a competition, it might be a piece of content, really beautiful. Then you could have a, um, so that's like an online one. Then you could have a product one where actually you've got, you're going to do a gift with purchase. You're going to pull with another company and you're going to create something together or you're going to put your products together to create a pack. You're going to do something with your products. And the last one is experiential. So experiential just means doing something in person mm-hmm. where people can actually touch, feel, smell, experience, talk about, like have something where- Like an environment, a pop-up type Like a pop-up. You know, mm-hmm. we, I'm talking to a, a store in Byron and they have a beautiful, beautiful store. And I'm like, have you got a small space where you can invite another business, another small business into your store, they can bring you customers. You are actually offering them the, the position within the store and they're actually going to be able to, you know, promote your business as well to all of their customers, bring them in.
0: Mm. And so
1: this is, and, and I... Uh, An example, really quick example is a friend of mine is an artist. She has a new new collection. And so obviously she has a gallery, but she wanted that immersive experience. And so she contacted a restaurant and actually said, I would love to have my art on your walls, but I want more than that. So here's what I'm thinking. Why don't we do an amazing event? And I will tell all the people who love my art to come to this restaurant to see this art. And the chef created a signature dish that was only Mm. available on that one night that was inspired by the art. So she got, and he promoted it to all of his restaurant customers. And so she was able to gain a new audience for her art that had never seen it before. The restaurant was able to fill the restaurant, but actually be able to create customers that would you know come to the restaurant more and more so together they created an experience that was only ever one night it was only it was so great that people just kept talking about it and now they're talking about doing it in different cities and because it was so such a a good event and the feedback was that people just loved it they Mm. were like are you bringing in another artist next week? This is great.
0: Right. We we love these different experiences. <laughs> you know, we need to have different experiences. We need something that's outside of what we normally have. The surprising and delighting your existing yes. customers and, yeah, finding the new customers.
1: Yes, the, yeah. absolutely. So my book is, is a step-by-step guide for small businesses to really understand the amazing value that they have and to how to actually do the process really easily. And then, and, and explore, it has so many, every every couple of pages, there's another example. It's really showing you that it's not just big brands, it's also small companies, but also their big brands need what small brands have. Mm. And
0: I can't and say that And the small enough. ones never think that, do they? They this never It's really, do, really great news.
1: But big brands are sometimes faceless, big. They take a long time to turn. They, you know, they don't have this intensity. And so small brands are nimble. They're agile. They're fast. They're passionate. They have a figurehead. They can tell a great story. They have Mm. a lot of times they have a movement of people who actually support them in a community. And big brands need that connectivity. They need to be able to tell stories that actually Mm. involve real people. So never be afraid to reach out to a big brand and actually show them what you could do for them. And they will most likely embrace that. They'll try to work out what to do. Now, of course, some big businesses are just big and they can't see outside Mm. there.
0: And it needs to be aligned. Obviously, you can see that there would be great value in that. Not just, okay, I'll just find anything. It's got to be thoughtful.
1: But it could be that you're writing an article for them. It could be that you, mm. you're a great podcaster. And so you approach and say, I've got an idea that we could actually create a podcast together. The thing about a big brand is more than anything else is they can't just keep talking about themselves and their product. Like what if they were a telecommunications company? Like how many times can you talk about phone plans? You know,
0: that we yeah. don't like. <laughs> like, we don't like anyway.
1: Exactly. So they have to find other ways to. Tell their brand, show their story in a different way. So Especially the bigger ones, it's it shows that they care more. Yes, and the thing is, those big companies they have their customers are small businesses. Yes, yeah, exactly. You know more than often, right? So, so it's really about like that. So makes hat, sense.
0: Hat, it's huge. Yeah,
1: big company, big brands need what small brands have. So, don't be afraid to approach them.
0: Amazing. What an incredible download of information. Very, very helpful and insightful. And anyone listening to this, i if I was a small brand, I would be pretty excited to be putting on my thinking cap and really taking a look at what is right there in front of us. The opportunities are endless. Thank you so much, Therese, for going through all of this information and for being a guest on my podcast today, how can people find you? And is this book available for purchase now? Where can they find it? Yes. Great. So the book is called
1: Swap Marketing Mm -hmm. Without Money. So Mm -hmm. you remember that because you're just going to swap an asset, right? So you swap marketing without money and it is available on Amazon all around the world. And it's available at Booktopia, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, and Target in the U.S. And and in terms of finding me, I am the only Therese Tarleton in the world. So oh, yeah. if you...
0: <laughs> That's easy. That's so... good.
1: Exactly so you can google me but also if you just look at therese um, you'll find me there. I am on Instagram, I am on YouTube I am I am everywhere um, and please reach out. this is my my absolute love. I, I can usually come up with five brands that you should partner with in, in about 15 minutes. so mm. it's my secret special superpower.
0: Fantastic. Thank you again so much for um, sharing all of your wisdom today. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. I've had a great time. Thank you. Thank you. I'll speak to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. You've just finished listening to an episode of Rare Conversations. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd love for you to leave a review and share it with a friend who you think would be interested in this topic. And if you have a business question, please send it in to us. We may very well answer it in our next episode. So be sure to tag me on social media at Leone Milano. The show notes and other information can be found on our website at www.leoniemilano.com. Thank you again for listening. And we look forward to having you back with us again soon.